Chapter 24 Happiness by Filka Sikolova Research and Degrowth and ICTA Institute of Environmental Science and Technology Autonomous University of Barcelona Happiness is a component of subjective well-being and a construct which somewhat overlaps with life satisfaction, given high correlation levels between reports on life satisfaction and happiness. Notions of happiness differ through the philosophical currents. Hedonic happiness stands for the positive effects associated with obtaining material objects or pleasurable experiences. It is located empirically closer to life satisfaction and is operationalized through numerical scales where the lowest digit corresponds to complete dissatisfaction with life and the highest to complete satisfaction with life. Eudaimonic happiness, on the other hand, implies living in coherence with one's best potentials and life purpose. It is formalized using questionnaires assessing positive psychological functioning. While some activities give rise to both eudaimonic and hedonic happiness, not all forms of hedonic enjoyment give rise to eudaimonic happiness. The first relevant aspect of the happiness literature is the treatment of subjective well-being as a composite construct including both tangible and intangible components. It has been shown that non-monetary domains, such as health, social capital, relational goods, marital status, and temperament, tend to carry a heavier weight in happiness than pecuniary ones, such as the material conditions or the level of disposable income. Disruptions in the non-monetary domains of happiness tend to cause deeper and more permanent ruptures in well-being than losses in the pecuniary ones. These findings are in line with degrowth theory and the idea of reshuffling the importance of economic components of life towards the ones based on human relations, social connectedness, and conviviality. The second relevant insight concerns utility theory in economics. If life satisfaction could be taken as an imperfect proxy of utility, Happiness studies indicate that the satisfaction a consumer receives from augmenting a particular consumption bundle would cease to positively contribute to utility over time. Thus, happiness studies indicate that even in a pure utilitarian economist framework, growth would fail to comply with its initially set objective. The third finding is related to the Easterlin paradox. This refers to the lack of association between income growth and reported subjective well-being over time within countries over time. This disassociation mostly happens for two reasons. One is the influence of social comparison on affective moods, or the process of drawing inferences on what consists a good or happy life from a particular reference group or environment. See also social limits of growth. The other is the adaption of material expectations, or the so-called continuously rising aspirations, which offsets the positive impact of income increase on well-being over time. How do these three insights relate to specific degrowth ideas? An intuitive first-hand answer is that if degrowth translates into a widespread and equitable decline in consumption, this will not necessarily have a negative effect on subjective well-being. Firstly, because of adaption. People tend to grow accustomed to improvements in their material conditions. Lottery winners, for example, are not happier than people in a control group with similar characteristics over time. In the same way, 
Adaption to lower material consumption might not create permanent dents in happiness if social status is taken into account. This relates to the second reason, namely, social comparison. A decrease in consumption, which affects everyone, will bring downwards reference income standards and therefore offset the associated adverse social and psychological effects. However, if degrowth translates into a consumption decrease for a small fraction of the population, surrounded by a society characterized by abundant material wealth, as in times of economic crisis, well-being would decline. Beyond the general understanding of degrowth as a multidimensional transformation involving complementary actions, policies, and strategies, one could try to explore the repercussion of certain emblematic degrowth proposals on happiness. One of these can be generally defined as reduction of formal working hours and an introduction of work sharing. There is some evidence in the happiness literature that part-time work is associated with higher levels of life satisfaction. Again, if raising the incomes of all does not increase the happiness of all, a decline in the incomes of all resulting from the reduction of formal working hours is not likely to reduce the happiness of all. Along the lines of prospect theory, one might argue that monetary losses are more hurtful than monetary gains of the same size. Yet, the empirical verdict on the existence and persistence of such an asymmetry in the long term is mixed. The proposal for work sharing within degrowth is accompanied by an increase of free time and the life space dedicated to non-monetary, reciprocal, communal activities, many of which can be defined as reproductive. Given that the quality of social and family interactions, see care, has been found to be a major positive determinant of well-being, increasing the share of community-based work might not decrease happiness. Furthermore, freedom, understood as having the locus of control over your time and life, has been found to predict changes in life satisfaction better than health, employment, income, marriage or religion, across countries and within countries. Thus, the increased share of the time dedicated to the activities that one considers meaningful could boost satisfaction with life. Volunteering, for example, has been found to positively contribute to happiness for increasing empathic emotions and creating shifts in aspirations. Furthermore, in degrowth, we often talk about a democratically established and fixed ratio between the minimum and maximum levels of pay. See basic and maximum income. Income inequality has been shown to have a highly negative effect on life satisfaction. Individuals living in areas of high inequality tend to score low in both health and happiness terms. Thus, if the income gap between individuals and countries narrows down as a result of degrowth, subjective well-being could improve due to the associated decline in rivalry. Another emblematic idea in degrowth has to do with downscaling car dependence, as well as fast transport modes and polluting infrastructure in general. As long as such a transformation allows for an increased space for wild nature in urban and rural landscapes without creating social deprivation, it is likely to have a positive effect on well-being. Studies on commuting indicate that spending many hours in a motorized vehicle bears a permanent negative effect on happiness. Moreover, there is a growing literature indicating that environmental degradation upsets well-being. 
Various studies indicate that poor air quality, for example, is associated with lower scores on happiness. This is found for both London and big cities in China, where traffic congestion emerges as a menace to well-being. In terms of car use, if most of the people in a given city switch from car to public transport or select working placements based on the proximity principle, it is unlikely that they are going to suffer a decrease in life satisfaction. On the contrary, abandoning your car is likely to be disturbing in a society which functions on the basis of cars. One proposal which often emerges in public talks on degrowth is the introduction of bans on advertising in public spaces. The literature indicates that individuals with high scores on materialism and who place greater emphasis on financial security tend to be less satisfied with their lives. Thus, if such a measure dampens material aspirations, it could enhance well-being. Moreover, there is a small literature demonstrating that watching television depresses relational activities, which are an important component of happiness. A more abstract but classic degrowth proposal concerns challenging the dominant imaginary of growth and the extraction of social prestige from material possession and accumulation. The few studies exploring the relation between non-materialistic values and well-being report that the former are often associated with higher levels of life satisfaction. Intrinsic values, such as altruism, for example, are generally associated with higher level of well-being and little material resources requirements for the fulfillment of basic needs. Moreover, considering the negative impact of rivalry-based consumption on happiness, one could expect that cultivating a social imaginary that is not colonized by material domains on either individual or societal levels would positively affect happiness. The foregoing review of the implications of some reference proposals in degrowth for happiness is far from exhaustive. It is naive to believe that degrowth is and will be happy by default, nor should happiness be the only objective of society. It is rather suggested here that satisfaction with life is unlikely to decrease with degrowth, especially if the following hold. Any reductions in income or paid work are equally experienced by all, as well as an increase of personal free time and autonomy. Increasing the time dedicated to reciprocity slash community work is compensated by improvements in relational goods downscaling fast modes of transportation by the increase in the time available for traveling, reduction in luxury goods consumption slash comfort levels by adaption to goods sharing and conviviality. In other words, if degrowth involves a trajectory of multiple actions and policies which compensate for each other's possible negative effects, it might not endanger personal happiness. If degrowth stirs an improvement in the determinants of happiness to which adaption is limited, such as allocation of free time, state of the urban and natural environment, health status, personal freedom and the quality of social relations, the associated effect on subjective well-being is likely to be lasting and positive.